Are you well? Well, are you still drinking that sipping rum? No, I have uh, my Japanese whiskey today. And how is that? Um, much less lethal than that stuff last week. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I listened to the back of the podcast. It sounds like I was dying. <laughs> I thought you were. I was worried we have to call a medic. It was. Uh, it, it was close. It was. Uh, it was. It was. It was very, very close. But anyway, it was. It was fine. And you know, I, I saved my Sunday um, libation for uh, for our podcast time together. Well, it's just very much appropriate considering the topics uh, of this week. Before we get to that, we have to do the disclaimer. Go ahead. You don't want to do it? I don't have anything to disclaim. <laughs> oh, well, well, hang on. You are, are now hired by CFRB 1010 in Toronto. I'm an independent contractor of Cash the Check. Oh, okay. The check's already cashed. <laughs> yeah, oh, so yes, it is. You don't care whether or not they care. Uh, no, 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 no. They know what they're getting when they hire me, and uh, I delivered the service, and the check was written and cashed. All right. Well, CTV didn't know what they were getting into when they hired me, so the views expressed on Geeks and Beats are those of the participants alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of their employers. We're almost sort of kind of working for the same company again. I know. Isn't that interesting? Uh, we, we've got it. We've got to get the big show on the News Talk Ten Ten, the big double ten. We 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 should do that. We you know I'm talking to the guys at Sirius XM every once in a while, and we're not going to charge them anything. We would just love to be able to do it. Um, I don't think anyone on the Canada Talks Channel One Sixty Seven gets paid. I don't think so either. Frankly, I I, I don't. Uh, I know a little bit about what's going on there at Sirius XM and uh, Canada, and there's there's not a lot of money to spread around to this stuff. And they have all kinds of weird regulations regarding content. What do you mean by that? Uh, conditions of their license. Th there is even a license associated with digital radio? Oh, yes, there is, and it is an onerous one. That surprises me. The things that they have to jump through in order to even be able to broadcast in Canada, oh, huge. But clearly, if you're doing XM satellite radio type of thing versus traditional terrestrial radio, you can get away with a heck of a lot more. You know, the, the vulgarity that comes out of Humble and Fred's mouths. But that's not uh, an issue. Uh, the issue is you have to have so much Canadian content mixed in with all the foreign content that you carry. And I think it's an eight to one rule. For every eight channels you carry, you have to have one Canadian channel. And that way, they don't have to enforce CanCon on all the on all the American channels. That's the way they got around it. So they have, uh, you know, The Verge, which is a, an all indie Canadian channel. They have uh, Canada Talks. They have a, a bunch of others. And these are channels primarily designed to allow them to carry all the American channels. Huh, I had no idea. All right, here we go. From the headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, simulcast on shortwave radio and Citizens Band 14, this is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth, featuring musical guest Sting. Sir Ozzy of Osborne, a move is afoot to get the Dark Prince knighted by the Queen. Headphones that listen to you, how a new Apple rumor may have your iPhone monitoring your health while you listen to the devil's music. The best lawsuit of the week involves Kanye West, the Illuminati, and $3.9 billion. And the Colorado Symphony has come up with one way to get the kids today into classical music. Uh, just observe the no smoking signs. Plus, a Geeks and Beats update on why we may soon need a human resources department and, uh, and a healthy booze budget. And if things go really well, we'll probably need a legal defense fund. And now, Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. I was blown away at the prospect of Ozzy Osbourne becoming a British knight. 
Ozzy has been up for a knighthood, or people have proposed that Ozzy get a knighthood for a number of years now. But for whatever reason, it kind of stalls on the way up to the throne. Why, you don't think Queenie's a fan of Ozzy? Well, Queenie probably isn't, but Prince Harry is a huge, huge metalhead. Is he really? Remember earlier this year he went on that expedition to Antarctica? Yes. Okay, so he went on, uh, some, some people had a look at his iPod playlist, and it was like Mastodon and Lamb of God and uh, um, Metallica and... Was Slayer on there? It's got to have Slayer. Slayer was on there and uh, uh, Megadeth. So, you know, I wrote back then when I found out about this, I wrote that, you know, if he ever does ascend to the throne... He could be the world's first metal king. I mean, forget the Game of Thrones, people. He could be an actual <laughs> metal king. What's he, third in line with the stone? Uh, no, he's not. Like that. Is he? Well, his, uh, his dad is next. Yeah. His brother is second, so that would make him third, wouldn't it? Uh, no, the, his brother's... Uh, brother's uh, oh, his kid. brother had a kid, so the kid... Yeah, you're yeah. right. Okay, well, that's so, a lot of people you've got to poison to make uh, it to the top. Well, I know, I know. But I'd still, you know, it's unlikely that he'll ever ascend to the throne. But if he did, he'd be a metal king. And I think that would be great. And, you know, Ozzy wants to be a knight. And sure, bring him around. Can, can you be a knight if you're not British? Ozzy's British. Is he? Yeah. I could never tell with the accent. No, no, he's from Birmingham. Oh, I had no idea. No, no, no. He. Uh, <laughs> no. I thought he was just so bombed out of his gourd that his accent was just his brain fried. Listen, I, I'm going to tell you this. I have uh, had an audience with uh, the Ozman. Uh, he is, what you see is a brand, is an act, is something that's put on. The man's actually a lot smarter than a lot of people really give him credit for. And when you get him alone, he's uh, actually quite articulate. Um, it's just that we never really see him at, at, at his private best. So there's an online pe petition uh, for the Knighthood of Oz. Uh, it's a Facebook page as well. They've collected 4,300 no, signatures. No, no, no. Hang on. I think they're... they're, they're hang on. I saw uh, are they over the 5,000 minimum? I thought they were. See, the problem was I saw 5,000 minimum and then I saw 20,000 minimum. So let me just see. Oh, okay. I'm on it right now. Causes.com uh, says that 10,879 people have signed the petition to honor him and uh, 9,121 are still to go. Okay. So Causes.com, look up Ozzy Osbourne, Knight Ozzy Osbourne. We need 9,121 people. We'll put it in the show notes. That should get like three more people. Well, yeah, it should. I think the story that I quoted that one uh, that from was uh, from Friday, May the second. Uh, so by the time we get to the podcast posting on Wednesday, we might be closer. But that would be good. I mean, listen, if Mick Jagger can be a knight, why not Ozzy? Barbara Richards on uh, Gibson.com says, in order to be knighted, the individual must have made, quote, significant contributions to national life. Uh, you don't think uh, that uh, he's, he's made significant contributions beyond music? Is, is he not a huge charity guy? I don't know. That's a really good question. I'm on the Knighthood page, the Facebook page. 3,120 people have liked it. The photo of Ozzy Osbourne, this has got to be from like 1978. Uh, no, that one, that picture there. He's looking far too coherent. Yeah, no, that's that's 83, 84. Ah. That's, uh, I'm pretty sure. 
And that's, uh, yeah, there's been a few uh, touch-ups on that picture. Uh, Ozzy Osbourne Charity. Ozzy Osbourne Charity working causes. Look to the stars. Oh, my God, yeah. Look at this. Uh, Oh, of course. He's actually giving back. Ozzy donated the damages he received were a reliable win to his wife's charity, which uh, which is the Sharon Osbourne Colon Cancer Program. He supports the following charities, Princess Trust, Rock the Earth, Save the Children, uh, the Starkey Hearing Foundation, uh, Music for Relief, Music Cares, Los Angeles Youth Network, Children in Need, 21st Century Leaders, Onyx and Breezy Foundation, and something called Whatever It Takes. Whatever, what's, what's Whatever It Takes. That's just crazy, though, that Prince Harry is a huge metalhead. I think if you rewound the clock 400 years, he'd be very much a Prince Joffrey. Yes. <laughs> well, maybe a little bit less of a dick. Maybe? Maybe. I didn't like, well, nobody liked Prince Joffrey. <laughs> when and and sorry, but here's your big spoiler alert for the Game of Thrones. Uh, when uh, when R.R. Uh, R. Martin killed off King Joffrey, at the end of the episode, he tweeted two words: "You're welcome." <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Oh, and there was so so many people were upset that uh, oh my god, you know, they they King Joffrey died. Listen, the books were written years ago. It was kind of inevitable. Yeah, it's kind of not a spoiler. It's it's kind of like I, I went Do you remember the movie uh what was it 12 Days in October with Kevin um Kevin Costner about the Cuban Missile Crisis? No, no, Kevin Costner did a Cuban Missile Yeah, there, there, I, I think that's what it was called. Anyway, uh, it's it's a story about, it's it's an augmented story about this backroom political wonk who was involved in the diffusing of the Cuban Missile Crisis back in 1962. And uh, I said, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. And he was, you know, he was the guy that helped avert a, nu- a nuclear war. And, and the person I was talking to said, don't spoil it for me. Don't tell me how it ends. Okay, you're... <laughs> You're still on the planet. Here's here's the spoiler. There was no nuclear exchange with the Soviets. My, my favorite uh, moment w- similar to that was a friend of mine who took his French wife to see Star Wars. Have I ever told you this story? No. Star Wars really wasn't that big in France. And so he when they re-released them and they updated them, they you know, took away all of the lightsabers and gave them walkie-talkies instead. In Empire Strikes Back, when Darth Vader leans forward and says, no, I am your father. She goes, <gasps> and everyone in the theater, he said, turned and looked at her like, where have you been living? That's not true. That's impossible. Search your feelings. You know it to be true. 13 days. That was the Kevin Costner film. Yes, there we go. I knew it was a number of days. Yes. Okay. <laughs> That's funny. That's really funny. So, yeah. Now, of course, they just came out with a cast list for the new Star Wars sequels, of which, you know, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, and Harrison Ford will reprise their roles. Hmm. Uh, but then the list of all of the additional actors, I didn't recognize a single one of them. No, but then did we recognize any of the actors in 1977? Did we know who Carrie Fisher was? Did we know who Mark Hamill was? We may have known who uh, Harrison Ford was uh, if we saw American Graffiti. That's right. But beyond that, now they're all unknowns. Yep. Uh, Anthony Daniels will be back, as will Peter Mayhew and um, Kenny Baker, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny because those are the only three who've been through in, in every single film. 
yet you don't really see any of them. You have no idea what they look like. Why on earth are they bringing back poor Kenny Baker? Have we not advanced technology sufficiently enough that we don't need a guy in a little garbage can? I know, but uh, it, it's kind of like Warwick Davis, who was an Ewok. He's made a... Um, a living out of it? A living out of being the guy in the garbage can, right? So <laughs> that's funny. That's really funny. Oh, by the way, today we're recording this on, on May the 4th. Yes, my 12th wedding anniversary. Star Wars Day. Well, it's funny. When, when we made the 4th of May our um, wedding date, we had no idea that this, you know, May the 4th be with you thing was, was all about. Because it actually didn't the, – the May the 4th thing was only about the last five or six years that it sort of came up. So the big problem that I had on my wedding day was not that people were going, <laughs> Star Wars. It was that the Maple Leafs were in the playoffs or something. I don't even know. And people kept ducking out to watch the game <laughs> yeah yeah okay so 12 years ago would have been 2002 right yes yeah so they would have been in a playoff run and, and i was just as a nerd i was thoroughly insulted that people were bugging off uh, to go to the bar to, to get an update on the score it just got to the point where during the speeches we just started giving out score updates that's probably your best bet. Which in a room full of broadcasters, it was like you were just listening to 680 Muse. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, you wouldn't have that problem these days because everybody would have their phones. Exactly. 2002, people didn't have that kind of thing. No, no, no. Nothing like that. Nothing like that. You barely had any bandwidth in 2002. Own one of the craptastic mugs of the world's most popular podcast and support the show. You too can use the power of science to hold liquids, both hot or cold. Visit geeksandbeats.com today. You got a hot sauce business that just got more crowded. Yes, this is uh, my, my friends at uh, Dynalone Records. Uh, they are one of the guys from Alexis on Fire, along with... Uh, one of the founders of Dynalone Records has uh, gotten into the food business, Dynalone Foods. They now have uh, a series of barbecue sauces and a hot sauce. And uh, there's uh, Canadian Music Week is on now, if we're getting this on Wednesday. Uh, and uh, there's going to be a number of food trucks tooting around Toronto, which have been supplied with these uh, barbecue sauces and hot sauces. And if you're in town for Canadian Music Week, have a sample of um, Southern Blues... Rack and roll or northern soul? <laughs> rack and roll. I, th I think that's what it is. <laughs> that's hilarious. I want to make sure I got it right. No, it's rock and roll hot sauce. Sorry. Are you sure? Yeah, no, I just checked it. Oh, rack and roll would have been funnier. I know. I got to talk to. I got to talk to them about that. Yeah, exactly. Maybe there could be another one. Another flavor, such as. Uh, well, it could be it could be rack and roll, and then you just change the label to something you know a little bit more buxom. I don't I don't know enough band names to start to play off that sort of thing. I'm not talking about band names. <laughs> no, but you want to play off it. You don't have to play off. You just had some cleavage on the label. That'll be fine. <laughs> yes, everything's better with cleavage. <laughs> everything's better with cleavage, including Apple's new headphones. I like this idea. Um, okay, we're gonna get back into the conversation about the. The watch, the the iWatch. Do we have to? Well, I'm of two minds on this one now. I, I don't necessarily want a Apple product that will tell me the time. I think, like with my, my iPhone, I don't use my iPhone for making phone calls. I use my iPhone for being an internet communicator. Yeah, I rarely ever send or receive a telephone call on my iPhone. Right, only if I absolutely have to. That's what I, you know, I use it as as, as a computer, as a portable computer more sure. than anything else. 
Um, just like I think with a watch, I wouldn't necessarily use it as something that would tell time. <laughs> what would you use uh, no, it for then? Well, think about it because, again, we're getting into this whole quantified self thing. Mm -hmm. And if this watch could give me, you know, notifications, if it could monitor uh, my my health and my activity properly, you know, I would be interested in having something like that. Something that would integrate with iOS. So something that would integrate that's all with something that's already on my phone. So I, 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 I always have my phone on my person except when I'm sleeping. Uh, just like most most people do these days. And if the phone somehow communicated with the iOS ecosystem in a way to deliver me or to gather or to somehow otherwise quantify information using the power of the phone and the Internet and Siri and everything else, then I'm interested. I'm not going to use it to tell time, which brings me to these headphones. Now, these headphones, um, they're, they're, they're ear pods, which don't really fit very well in my ears. My wife has the same problem. We like the old ones better. But these ones could help with the quantified self thing because it'll measure your blood pressure. It'll measure your um, heart rate and may measure a few other things. So the sensors are built into the earbuds and that's a perfect location to have a sensor because of the thinness of the skin at the ear canal. Yeah. I mean, everybody hears uh, their heart pounding in their ears and there's, there's just, there's maybe there's a way to, to do blood pressure that way. Now I went, I, did I tell you about my stress test? No, what about your stress? Test? Okay, so a couple of weeks ago, I, I I have terrible genes in my family. Awful, awful genes. What, like and, mom genes that ride up? Uh, no, no, the other kind of genes. <laughs> genes that result in things like uh, arthrosclerosis, which is hardening of the arteries. So I, I have to check and make sure that... See, I'm, I think I'm the only person in my family of my age who has all my organs. I'm not kidding about that. My, my, my uncle Martin has half a lung. That's all he's got is half a lung. Well, better than having somebody else's organs. Well, and, and, and my dad is like terrible. You know, he's got type 2 diabetes. He's got, he's had a bunch of heart attacks. He has to take blood thinners. So if he has a paper cut, he bleeds for three days. You know, it's, it's, it's bad. So I'm trying to avoid all that. And I have a cardiologist and I go and I make sure that I, uh, you know, have, have my heart stressed out, my cardiovascular system stressed out uh, at least once a year. So a couple of weeks ago, I went for my annual stress test and they noticed something on the EKG that seems to indicate that there could be a little bit of a, a, a problem when it comes to hardening of the arteries, which is something that runs in the family. So uh, I got to go on the 29th of May for what's called an echocardiogram, which is a more comprehensive version of a treadmill stress test. Kind of like the hunt for red October, but for your heart. Well, exactly. And and uh, then I have to go for something else after that. So again, this is something that we're, we're I'm, I'm not going to die, but we're certainly in something called uh, a period of surveillance. We want to watch this stuff. And I would see this is why the quantified stuff, self stuff means is, is really interesting to me, because if I can keep track of things like my my blood pressure and, you know, my cholesterol level and my what else is screwed up with me? Uh, you know, those sort of things. If I can keep track of that on a daily basis rather than have to go to the lab every three months or four months to get a blood test and then not find out when I, until I go visit the doctor, I'm in. I'm, I'm really interested in this sort of stuff because I don't plan to go down the same road as most of my relatives. Mm, I hope not. No, well, it'd be kind of a boring podcast without me, wouldn't it? Well, it'd just be me. 
yeah. talking to me. Nobody yeah. wants to hear what I have to say. No. What's fascinating about this uh, next generation headphones that Apple is allegedly working on, according to The Guardian, is that the headphones themselves would help with Apple's iBeacon system to locate your smartphone if it gets lost. But the other side of it, too, is, is that it, we've got the Fitbit and all of these things. And research has shown that people tend to give up on these separate fitness gadgets after a few months. So if you want your wearable to be successful, it has to do more than just act as a fitness monitor. So headphones would be an excellent dual use for something like this. Yeah, again, you want to tie it in to something that already exists. You want to expand that ecosystem so it works all together. And you want to get over the hump of people saying, I'm not dropping 200 some odd dollars on a wristwatch that I don't need because it's just doing fitness. You've got 100 million some odd iPhones in the world today. Could you imagine if you could drop 50, 60, 70 bucks on a new pair of headphones and immediately get the benefit of a wearable? Yes. And and I'm uh, I'm all I, I really am all over that. I, I think that's what we're OK. So money where your mouth is, pal. Hmm. The Tink monitor that I gave you. Oh, and it's by my desk. I haven't even picked you it up. You haven't even opened it no, up. No, no, it's right on my desk. It's upstairs. It's opened. Well, it's open because I opened it. Oh, that's right. No, so it's sitting there <laughs> and I've, I've got the, you know, I've, I meant to have a look, but I, I haven't yet. All right. No. Best lawsuit ever. <laughs> or at least of the week. <laughs> well, there's two this week. Uh, this week in law. Here we go. The first one has to do with this guy. He was Richard Dupree? He's in a California prison. He has managed to find a lawyer that has sued on his behalf. He's suing Beyonce, Kanye West, Jay-Z, Rihanna, and Chris Brown because he says that while he was in jail, the FBI, the CIA, Homeland Security, and probably the NSA and a whole bunch of other people have uh, conspired to steal all these lyrics that he has written and distribute them to the aforementioned Beyonce, Kanye West, Jay-Z, and others uh, who have made gazillions of dollars uh, infringing on his copyright. And he is suing them for $2.4 billion. Wow. And he says, he alleges in this, in this case, that they have stolen lyrics to at least... 3,000 songs. <laughs> How would they go about breaking into jail to steal 3,000 songs? I have no idea. Oh, they kept them under surveillance, and, and you know, they, they, they watched and listened to his every move. Uh, okay, well, that makes sense, because after all, Jay-Z is a member of the Illuminati, is he exactly. not? Exactly. So, oh, there, there you go. And, you know, Beyonce is part of the Illuminati as well. <laughs> all you all you need to do is go to endoftheamericandream.com and it'll tell you all about it. No, really? Yeah. And uh, the the <laughs> the tagline to the website endoftheamericandream.com is wake up. The American dream is rapidly becoming the American nightmare. <laughs> I love this. Yeah. He's got books on Amazon. I've never seen this website before. Oh, it's it's a survival end of days glory site. Wow. An unprecedented. Okay. We know about the plague on bananas and oranges. Why meat prices are going through the roof. Uh, yep. The thought Nazis. Uh, oh, Chinese acquiring large chunks of land communities all over America. 
Shocking video of world leaders wearing the symbol of the pyramid at a major international meeting. Oh, very good. Okay, I'm going to have to spend some time with this. Oh, yeah, you'll go down a rabbit hole that uh, you'll never come out from. I'm just going to search for Jay-Z, and the answer comes up. Ah, the Jay-Z Illuminati conspiracy. Are Beyonce and Jay-Z seducing their kids into the occult? Okay. Um, oh, Katy Perry, Illuminati priestess. <laughs> okay, if anyone was an Illuminati priestess with the push-up bras and the black makeup and the horns and all that, mm -hmm. that is goodness me. Yeah. Okay, she performed a witchcraft ceremony in front of the entire audience. Oh, her Grammy performance. That's what that was. <laughs> oh. Oh, okay. Wow. And I'm just looking at some of the... Um, some of the things that they sell, uh, survival kits, the beginning of the end is a book, find out why you were in danger before it's too late, free video, uh, decoding the imminent heavenly signs, call a book called Bloodment. Oh, okay. There's lots of good stuff here. Yeah. So we'll put that in the show notes as well, shall we? I, I will definitely put that in the show notes. <laughs> now, uh, the yeah, number two... The second best lawsuit of the week uh, proves that um, to be a fan of Engelbert Humperdinck is a dangerous, dangerous thing. Please release me, let me go. My mom is a huge Engelbert Humperdinck. She's putting her life on the line by doing so. Well, she, she really is. And we have to talk about this poor woman. In uh, Her name is Rosemary Arnold. <laughs> She went to a theater in uh, Westbury, Long Island back uh, in 2011, at the end of April. Uh, she dressed for the occasion. She put on a nice pair of silk pants. As anyone would to see Engelbert Humperdinck. Absolutely. And while waiting for the show to begin, she took a seat on a wooden bench outside the theater. Uh, when another concert goer came along uh, and said, hey, can I sit down? Rosemary scooched over. And as she slid down <laughs> the bench, um, it's an old ratty wooden bench injected more than a thousand splinters into her butt and thighs. Uh, tremendous pain, lots of treatment required. In fact, she has had <laughs> treatment for the, I shouldn't laugh, for the last three years, more than a dozen splinters a day have been coming out of her thighs and butt ever since. She's required many painful injections to help dislodge these tiny, tiny, tiny pieces of wood. And the whole ordeal has left her with limited mobility and she's had to take a significant amount of time off work. She has trouble walking. Uh, Live Nation were, uh, are the owners of the venue, and they were the promoters of the show, and she is now suing them for unspecified damages for her, uh, her, her splinter issue. I blame it on the nice silk pants. Uh, well, you have to be careful about those. Is, isn't Engelbert Humperdinck the one who everyone... Th no, no, that's Tom Jones who gets the, the women to throw the panties onto the stage. Yeah, yeah, that's him. Um, do you want to do... I, I have a bonus lawsuit. <laughs> okay. Number three. 
Yes. Uh, okay. A woman went to a UB40 show in Cambridge. I'm sorry to hear that. Her name was uh, Anna Webster, and uh, UB40, of course, a reggae band, and they like their bass. And apparently the bass was so loud. How loud was it? It took one song for her ears to literally begin to bleed. But how come it didn't do that for anyone else in the neighborhood? I, I, I don't know. Um, but uh, she, is, she claims that... Um, She's been damaged by it, and I don't know what she's doing about it. I think she's suing. But, you know, this goes to show you, if you're going to a, uh, going to a gig, um, you should wear some sort of ear protection. How low were the, you know, how loud and how low were those frequencies, too? That's, that's pretty wild. Got a question about music, love, that suspicious rash? Ask Alan anything. Call 323-319-NERD. Hello, geeks and beats. It's Andrea from Toronto calling, and I want to know why on earth Peter Gabriel left Genesis. Alan, Alan, please answer. Okay, bye. You want to know about Peter Gabriel, huh? Mm-hmm. Why did Peter Gabriel leave Genesis? I was just listening to um, his. Oh, what what is what is that track? Damn it! It was on the tip of my tongue. What lamb lies down on Broadway? Uh, no, 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 no. The one that that's about him leaving. It's it, he wrote a song about leaving Genesis. Oh, see, I was never a Genesis fan. Oh no, no, it wasn't. It wasn't a Genesis song. It was a Peter Gabriel song. Salisbury Hill. Thank you. Salisbury Hill is about him making the decision to leave Genesis. Is it? It is. So I went from day to day. had read that not too long ago. Salisbury Hill is in Bath, England, and it's, actual, it's an actual hill. So why did he leave? Uh, creative differences. Simple, and that's it. Now, with whom did he have the creative differences? I can only imagine it would have been the drummer. No, everybody else in the band. Uh, Peter, no, no, wait, wait, wait. See, Phil Collins, when he was with Genesis as just the drummer, was just the drummer. And when Peter Gabriel left, they launched this big, long search for a new singer. And they couldn't find anybody that was right. And then one day, Phil stepped up to the mic and they, oh, well, you sing, and that's how he became the singer. He was he was he wasn't even the second choice. He was like the two hundredth choice, and that worked out well for them because Genesis sold far more records with Phil Collins singing than they ever did with Peter Gabriel. But they had uh, it was creative differences. Uh, Peter was into dressing up as a flower and the weird sort of mime stuff on stage, and the rest of the band wasn't really keen on that sort of stuff. And they oh, he was get... the masculine version of Kate Bush. Uh, yes, he was. That's a very good way of putting it. And he, the rest of the band was, we wanted to get away from, from that, that, you know, long form prog rock stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter was a little bit more out there than that. So they decided that, no, we're going to, we're so just they, gonna... they decided to give it to Phil Collins and go commercial rock. Yeah. And, and sold a gazillion records to middle of the road, crappy radio stations. Most of it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I really don't like Genesis. Does CHFI still play Phil Collins Genesis? Oh, absolutely. Ugh. Absolutely. Um, and I became a much more of a Peter Gabriel fan once he sort of uh, focused his energies a little bit more coherently. Hmm. Didn't get all dressed up as much. As he didn't dress up as a flower anymore. Did I ever tell you about my greatest concert ever? What is your greatest concert ever? 
1992, I was charged with uh, escorting a couple of contest winners to the start of a Peter Gabriel tour. This would be the US tour in 1992. And it began in Rochester, New York at the War Memorial Auditorium. And we flew in there to see the full-scale dress rehearsal that ran the night before the tour started. Oh, that would have been cool. It was really cool. There were 60 people in the entire arena. Wow. And it was the full show, front to back, complete with all the stage patter. They didn't stop. They didn't, you know, oh, no, let's do it this way. Move the light there. No, it was a full on front to back. We're not kidding. Dress rehearsal. Cool. And uh, one of the, they did Shake in the Tree. And uh, at that point, everybody in the audience was invited up on stage to dance around a little plastic palm tree. I mean, <laughs> uh, how much better does it get than that? It was, man, it, man. it was, it was a fantastic show. And that remains, if you've never seen, um, that, that tour, there's a, there's a, a Blu-ray of it, uh, that was recorded in Italy. You have to see it. It's fantastic. It's unbelievably good. Best show ever. Andrea, thank you so much for calling in. If you've got a question for Alan, be sure to ask him anything. It could be about music. It could be about life. It could be about that suspicious rash. Nobody's ever asked about a rash, although I do have um, quite a bit of experience with rashes. I don't want to know why. Okay. Call 323-319-NERD. London, Bangkok, New York, Cincinnati. From the worldwide headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, this is a GNB News Update. We've got employees now. <laughs> I feel like we need an HR department. I was just about to ask, are we going to have to hire an HR department? Are we going to have to have some sort of employee handbook? What about benefits? Are we going to have to worry about benefits? Well, there's absolutely no benefit to working for us because there's absolutely no pay either. No. Jason Tolman uh, has joined us as a writer and Stephen Lucier as uh, a webmaster for The Big Show. Okay. So, gentlemen, thank you very much for uh, stepping up, knowing full well that the only thing you'll be able to do is put it on a resume. I met Jason uh, last week. And is he shifty? Is he shady? Because no, I no, just no, gave no, him no. full access to the website. No, he's fine. I, I, I gave. Uh, I've I've met him before. He uh, he and I sat down and had a talk a couple of years ago. He was looking to expand his horizons and uh, asked me if I'd have a meeting with him, and I did. Nice guy. Uh, and then I'm doing this other thing with a company called Flink, and he wanted to be a writer for them, so he showed up at a meeting that we were having last week. So uh, yeah, no, that's fine. Uh, Stephen, I don't know anything about. We're gonna have to have a staff meeting, oh. and uh, I think we got about a hundred, two hundred bucks in, in the kitty. Uh, after all these uh, mugs that we've been shilling uh, and a couple of donations as well. So uh, maybe we'll uh, use that to uh, fund a lush night. Yeah, we probably should have a staff meeting, shouldn't we? Yeah. Mm. Now, the fact that Jason is signed on to be a writer doesn't mean that you can't sign on to be a writer as well. We'd be more than happy to have an entire team of people making this show that much better. Stephen, as well, has got a lot of experience with uh, social media, and he wants to get involved in that component, too. So maybe people will actually start listening to the show. You realize that by having people on board, we're, A, contravening the Ontario intern laws. Well, no, we're not. Because we're not calling them interns. No, we're not calling them interns, and neither are, we're not taking any money out of this. So it's, it's, this is a volunteer community organization. Maybe we should be suing ourselves. Mm. Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll get some money out that way. We're kind of following in the business model of the Huffington Post. <laughs> well, uh, half of that. We're not stealing other people's content and just putting <laughs> oh, it online as well. No, edit that. Yeah. Edit uh, point, edit okay. point. A Ariana Huffington was in the newsroom one day, 
And my God, that woman needs to scale back on the perfume. <laughs> really? She had left and she was still there in spirit. <laughs> not, not spirit in terms of um, uh, airborne particulate. Precisely. Okay. Yeah. So if uh, the other thing, too, is that if you go to geeksandbeats.com slash swag, you can uh, buy some of our craptastic mugs that help fuel what will ultimately be the uh, booze-ravaged night of our uh, our staff. <laughs> That's here. right. Please donate so we can get our interns drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and if you would like to be an intern, please apply, and then you can come and get drunk as well. We're definitely going to need... An HR department. <laughs> oh boy. This is. This cannot end well. You found one way to get people to come to a symphony. Yes, here is a, a fantastic thing. You know, I have tried and tried and tried to get involved to, to develop an appreciation for classical music. Um, I once was. I was after this girl in university, and I went to the opera with her because I thought that, that would get me closer to well you know um, and it, it, it just uh, yeah and it just uh, it just drove me further like I'm not going to sit through another rendition another production of La Boheme ever again and I tried going to the symphony and you know it's, it's a failing it's a failing with me I just can't really, it just it doesn't speak to me. But the Colorado Symphony, most symphony orchestras have a hard time attracting people beyond a certain fan base. But wait a minute, you said this was Colorado. Wait, let me get to it. <laughs> you know where this is going. Most symphony orchestras have a very hard time expanding their current fan base. And they need fans because running a symphony is a very expensive thing. So they have to keep, you know, they don't want their, their, their patrons to die off. They have to keep bringing new blood into it. And that's proven to be very, very difficult. However, the Colorado Symphony has come up with an idea that might at least get people into the building to get them hooked on classical music. So they have something called Classically Cannabis, the High Note Series. <laughs> and the goal here is to attract a younger audience by encouraging to bring their own cannabis to, uh, to their events. Wait a minute, wait a minute. How are you going to get that smell out of the sound baffles? Edible only, please. No smoking in the concert hall. Ah. So bring your brownies, bring your cookies, bring whatever it is. Could you vape? Uh, I can't believe I just used the word vape. I can't believe you used that either. I'm not sure. That's that's a good question. But let me let me just read this. Uh, this is Jerry Kern. He is the symphony director. He told the Denver Post, "Part of our goal is to bring in a younger audience and a more diverse audience. And I would suggest that the patrons of the cannabis industry are both younger and more diverse." than the patrons of the symphony orchestra. Now, what I want to know, let me just see if they've actually mentioned, uh, it's $75 per person, there's a hosted bar, <laughs> hors d'oeuvres, yes, munchies. <laughs> Brought to you by Doritos. Yeah, performance by the Colorado Symphony. Uh, <laughs> this is parking. Due to the nature of the event, we encourage alternative modes of transportation. Uh, this is curated by Edible Events Company. Uh, Today's my show proof of age, 21 and up. Bring, please bring a valid ID. It does not say what they will be performing. Oh, does it really matter? Oh, well, I don't know. And the beauty, too, is that you could sell them a $75 ticket 
more than once because they're just going to forget where they lift the ticket. <laughs> Catch all new episodes of Geeks and Beats Wednesdays on iTunes and watch for Geeks and Beats magazine on a newsstand near you. To be part of next week's show, call area code 323-319-NERD. Follow the stories on Twitter or Facebook and get your dose of Geeks and Beats anytime at geeksandbeats.com. The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation.